on the latest edition of the Cubs Recap Podcast. My partner Gordon Whitmire and I get ready for the trade deadline. What's going on in the Central? Should the Cubs be buyers or sellers? Welcome in to the Cubs Recap Podcast here on our YouTube channel. You're also able to get them audio only wherever you find your favorite podcast. I'm David Kaplan. He's Gordon Wittenmeyer. Okay, G-Dub, let's talk about the trade deadline. It's a massive week for the Cubs. They have the White Sox tonight and Wednesday night, and then they get four in St. Louis. They start a series at home with the Reds. And then the trade deadline's here after the first game. So, I am urging them to not, not sell Cody Bellinger. And I will tell you a quick story. Jim Hendry said, back in the day, there was a player in Philadelphia that he coveted. The player was going to get traded. Didn't like playing in Philly anymore. Veteran stadium turf was bad on his back. And he said, I want out. And Jim said, I'm getting him. And the price was high at the deadline. And he said, boy, why why am I doing this? Why am I going to give all this up? He's a free agent in October. I'll sign him in October. And Scott Rowland got traded to the Cardinals and never left. And he said, I never forgot that. So, Well, at least he didn't go on and become a great player or anything. Yeah, he's only in the Hall of Fame. So what is your take? on what you think the Cubs should do, your opinion. Well, they're sitting right on the brink with everybody else, right? I mean, that, that St. Louis series saved their ass. I mean, in terms of the, the clubhouse and trying to keep things together and get a chance to go for it. Um, what's going on, at, Like, I don't know if you can see behind me, I'm standing at the top of the division right now. I'm in Milwaukee where the Reds and the Brewers are playing this week. Um, and I'm watching both clubhouses there to see who comes in and out the door in the next few days because right. that's just as critical, right? I mean, these guys don't face each other again after uh, Wednesday. So uh, everything's out of their hands in terms – I mean, whoever wins this series is going it, to – it'll be in their hands. But the Cubs are in striking distance if they continue to do for the next five games what they've done for the last five games. And, and then it's a three-team race all the way down to the end. They've got the Reds right around the corner. So uh, I, would, I would do kind of what they're doing. It's, it's also what the industry is doing. It's waiting until the last day. Cap, this is a trade deadline like we haven't seen in years, like you and I probably don't remember. Because, look, t- t- take, take, for example, like last year, first year of the newly expanded playoffs. Wildcard teams did really well. The last team to make it in the National League to get in wound up in the World Series. And there's a lot of teams that have invested a lot in this season. There's also some surprises like the Reds. There are fewer teams this year that know whether they're sellers. There's more teams that think they might be buyers, again, than we've seen in the past. And then when you look at the quality of players that are available out there among the teams we know are going to be selling, it's not the same as we saw last year. When, when, when Hayter was traded, when Soto was traded, uh, Luis Castillo was traded. You don't see that. The only team that, that for sure has real guys that they're selling that we know of is the White Sox. 
And they're asking astronomical prices for their guys. So everybody's waiting. This is all going to come down to some frantic, wild final day. So why not wait? You're not going to lose players by waiting. If anything, if you wanted to sell big time, you you might, if you're the Cubs, if you were pretty sure you were going to sell or if you were leaning that way, you might want to make your guys available now and see if you could get somebody to jump and pay big. Other than that, you might as well wait because this division could be in play depending on what happens the next week. All right, so in the National League, San Diego's like like the Cubs. Now they're 10 back in the division, but in the wild card, they're only four games under 500. So they can make a case, well, we got a lot of talent here. Let's just keep uh, right. and, and, and throw this in too, right? The, the Giants are, are, are starting to slide just a little bit in recent days, and the Diamondbacks don't have a lot of pitching. So that San Diego team has a ton of talent on their roster. So they can look at it kind of the way the Cubs are. They can no view the question. wild card as it relates to the teams in their division, the way the Cubs could look at this division. Okay, Colorado is 40 and 60, 18 back. They're done. They may They're sell. also selling. They're already starting to sell. Correct. Pittsburgh is 43 and 56. They will probably move something, but they don't they have don't, much to move. They don't have any to sell because they're all young guys anyway. St. Louis is 12 under. I think they're trying to sell and retool at the same time. They've started to sell, you know, incrementally. Yes. Washington is 18 under. I don't think the Mets at seven under are going to try and move Scherzer or anybody like that or a Verlander. So I don't think they're going to do that. So that's about it in the National League. In the American League, only Oakland in the West, Kansas City and the White Sox in the Central are like way out of it. That's it. Yeah, and if you look at Oakland and Kansas City, what pitchers would you want off those staffs? I mean, the starting rotations, those are the two two of the three worst starting, two of the four worst starting rotations in baseball. And a guy like you might say, well, somebody might say, well, maybe Zach Greinke wants to go to a winner at the end of his career. Zach Greinke signed in Kansas City because he wants to be in Kansas City. And, and and it's and it's debatable what you would get out of him at this point anyway. So uh, even those teams, which would seem to be clear sellers, Oakland's already sold off all of its veteran assets. So, uh, you know, they're doing whatever they're doing with young players anyway. They're not, they're not selling those guys. So, yeah, you're right. I mean, like you look at the American, it's a White Sox, you know, so – People are waiting for this to shake out. If if the Cubs somehow get swept in that two gamer by the White Sox, everything could change. I mean, that's how that's how uh, variable and kind of seismic and shaky this 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 whole week is. You know, the two days could make a huge difference. Okay, so after I tell you the Scott Rowland story, would you? And again, if somebody calls you up and offers you some insane deal, okay, you got to listen to anything. But let's assume it's not an insane deal. It's, yeah, it's a fair deal. Would you trade Cody Bellinger? Because I would not. I would. We've talked about this. I would. Um, I, I would because you're not going to re-sign him. I, I, even if you I want disagree. to re-sign I okay. think they're going to try to. Cap, let's bet a dinner on this. Okay, I, you're on. I, okay. I, I, don't, I don't even think it's going to be an attempt, but they definitely won't sign him. Um, he's going to go to the marketplace and somebody's going to pay bigger than they're going to want to pay, uh, regardless. And I don't think that they're in that market for him going forward. So 
yeah, I would, I would trade him. Now, the other thing with Cody Bellinger is, so this is why you hold him for now, is because if you do decide that you can make a run at this thing by the end of the week, then you still can put a qualifying offer on him at the end of the year because he hasn't had one yet. So you won't come away with nothing, even if he walks at the end of the year, and you can take your best shot with him. So these are all things that are in play. And, and these are just that many more variables that makes this a very unpredictable, uncertain next seven days or so. Yeah, I truly believe they're going to try and sign him. And I think he wants to be in Chicago. He has resurrected his career. Yes, he wants to get paid. What I don't understand is, and I know you're going to, I know what your answer is already going to be, but I'm going to say it anyway. Why can't you try and sign him now and make him? I'm not talking about some. I'll give you a two year deal. No, here's, you know, six at 180 or five at 155, whatever it is. You're telling me he would risk having gone through two straight injury seasons. He would risk getting hurt and not finishing strong and then go, God, I should have taken that money. Yes, that's exactly what I'm telling you, because his agent, that's that's the way his agent plays the leverage and the the risk that you're talking about. The injury risk isn't nearly as big for him as the potential reward at the end of this whole thing, the way his season is going. And he's raking right now. So he's got a big reward coming unless you're willing to offer him 10, 12 years. Now, there's no reason for him. To not I don't think anyone the in the game's given him 10 years. But that's what he's got to find out. That's the point of going to the marketplace. We've seen it. Look what happened last year with all those guys. And we've seen it in recent years. And, and we know why, right? It's not because people think they're getting 10 years of, of production out of people. It's because of the AAB and the way that the luxury tax thresholds are, are structured. So it might be out there cap. And so unless you're going to play that game now up front and try to give him something that he's got to look at and say, you're right. There's that, that probably doesn't exist anywhere. Then they're not going to get him on that extension. Anyway, he's going to go to free agency and he probably should. So I, I, do you believe that someone's going to give him eight, nine, 10 years? It doesn't matter whether I believe that. It matters. Do you believe someone will, though, in the marketplace? I think it's possible. If he finishes as strong as he's playing right now, I do definitely think that's possible. Look at his age. Look at his track record. And look what he's doing right now. So he's got the recent. He's got the, the long term. He's always had the pedigree. And his age says so compared to recent history. So, yes, I do think that that's more than plausible. Okay, let's talk about the the state of the division right now. The Cardinals are done, in my opinion. Done. In their in their opinion, too. We okay. see it by their actions. They've already traded away. Pirates, Somebody, so. done. Yes. Where are the Brewers in your mind? Are they clearly the best team? Can the Reds or Cubs run them down? They're clearly in the driver's seat. They clearly have the best front line pitching. They can close a game. Um, there's two teams in the division right now that can close a game and they're playing this week. Um, and, and they, and they've got, by the way, they, they just, they just called this, uh, this kid up, uh, Freilich, who's, uh, just three years in the big leagues, just hit his first home run on uh, Monday night. 
uh, he's, he's given them a little boost in the outfield. You know, so they have a chance to get better, especially if they add. They're in the driver's seat. It's, it's clearly in the driver's seat. They've taken care of business against the Reds no matter what happens the last two games of that series. So they're the team – I, I would. They're the team to beat now, but the Reds are this team that they probably got the best overall lineup, top to bottom. They can they can score a bunch of different ways, and, and so um, if they were to add one of the top couple of starters out there, whoever that might be by the end of the week, then then watch out. Uh, I mean, so if the Cubs feel like they're not going to sell, then they probably damn well ought to buy. And and uh, they ought to, you know, maybe even maybe even go aggressive for whatever their top need or two is. We know the bullpen is a big need. Maybe Bull, bullpen go- and third baseman. I would go get Jamer Candelier. Now I want to ask you. I'll tell you something. Not- I'll tell you something. You know, I I've, I've started thinking about the strangeness of this market. I think we're going to see some three team trades because I think that's the needle to thread for some teams to get what they want. Uh, you know, with so many buyers and so few sellers so far, I think I've, my read is that you're already starting to see these talks. I, I see, I saw the the Rays following this series. They don't play these teams the rest of the way. Why would the Rays be following, uh, putting reports out on these teams right now? It's, it's the only thing that makes sense because all three teams are contenders. Is if somebody's trying to think of in, in three team scenarios, and there are a couple. The, the Reds have some duplication among their hitters on their big league roster, in addition to some of the, the good prospects they have. A guy like Nixon Zell is, is a really, really nice third baseman, and he's lost a lot of playing time. He's got two years left at club control. He's going to be a very motivated player for somebody if, if, if they want to try to swing a deal. But you mentioned third base. What about something like that where it's a three-team deal? So – you know, keep your eye open for some really creative conversations, if not moves, uh, before Tuesday. Do you believe, I believe, Lucas Giolito may have thrown his last pitch for the White Sox? He had a really good start the other day. Why would you risk injury, poor performance, anything to lower his value? You're going to trade him. That's a lock. So we keep hearing the Reds and Giolito. Is Jonathan India going to be on the move as has been speculated? No, no. And and I've actually talked to some evaluators from other teams who've been around watching the Reds. They do like India. There's teams that have been asking about him. There's teams that have been asking about a handful of players off the Reds' big league roster because they see the duplication as well as anybody in baseball. The thing about India is, and, and I, I just did a story on this. You can go look it up on, on Cincinnati.com. Um, He's an important piece of that clubhouse. And this is what I was talking to those evaluators about. This is a team that's doing stuff ahead of, ahead of schedule. And, and, and they've got young players that sort of believe they can do things that maybe they wouldn't ordinarily have a right to believe, right? If they're, maybe they're too young to know any better, right? But part of that is guys like him who've been around just long enough to provide an influence. He can relate to them. He's seen enough in the game. He's a big part of that clubhouse in addition to most of this season until just recently being a huge part of that lineup, batting leadoff in a lot of games, batting third in a lot of games. He's a very important part of any plays through things. He's a tough guy. He plays through injuries. He, he's a, he's a lead by example type guy and he's a vocal guy. You don't see a lot of those 
and it's and it's and it's and it's all in a keep the guys together way. He's a he's a more valuable piece than people know. Would they trade him? They would absolutely trade him if they got blown away. If they had club control for for young pitchers, not Giolito. Giolito has no club control beyond this year, and he's going to be an expensive pitcher. They're not going to trade him for a rent a pitcher. Dylan sees. We can have that discussion if you're the Reds. We don't even know if the White Sox are going to trade Dylan Cease. So, in fact, when the reports came out about Jonathan India, they were vastly overstated, and they created some internal conversations, in, in fact, with India, telling him about the unlikelihood of him getting traded. Um, could happen. Nothing's guaranteed. Nobody's untouchable. But that's kind of the arena that that, that falls into. Their posture with him is, is basically nobody's untouchable, but they're not shopping him. You think the Brewers add on significantly because many years they've been in this position and they don't go all in. They, I do believe they'll add. At the All-Star break, I talked with a couple of their players, including Corbin Burns, who had direct conversations with the GM and asked him because he wondered if he might get he won. He remembers last year when they traded Josh Hader and it had a huge impact on that clubhouse. In addition to just the ability to win, they missed the playoffs by one game. He's been assured, he says, that they will add. How big? Who knows? His take on it was that he didn't think either the Reds or the Brewers, the two clear buyers in the division, would necessarily be able to get enough that it would make a huge difference from what they are now. My take is if the Reds were able to get a reliable, even innings-eating level starting pitcher, that would make a huge difference to them because it would also make a pretty good bullpen even a lot better. Um, his take was, certainly as he looked at his own team, he wasn't sure that there was enough out there that would make a huge difference to their team. Okay, I believe that there are internal discussions with the Cubs on the business side of things and the ownership side. I haven't talked to Tom Ricketts. I haven't talked to Crane Kenny, but I do have my sources from 30 years covering this team. I do not believe they are comfortable unless they were to go out and have a horrific week and go, you know, one in five and then lose the first game to the Reds and look up and go, God, we're 11 games back. Done. Okay. Let's assume that scenario does not happen. I truly believe that they're going to add slightly, not here's all our chips, Pete Crow Armstrong in, let's go. No, but I do think they're going to try and add some type of a bullpen piece, probably a lefty. And I do think they're going to see what it would take to get Jamer Candelario or somebody that they feel upgrades them at third base. That's what I see happening. If, they have a good week. Yeah, I I could totally see that scenario. Um, and I agree with your take on that. And, and and if that's their take, I agree with their take on it. Yeah, obviously you shouldn't be going all in on with some of these prospects that you've acquired that you really like and think are going to be part of your future. But doesn't this sound a lot like you said ownership? Doesn't it sound a lot like last offseason when they were really feeling the heat and it was like, okay, we're not going to go through another sort of tepid stretch here. Let's get aggressive. Let's make sure right. that we're trying to compete. Right. You've got because, money. You better spend it. Right. Right. And so 
it kind of has the same feel to it. We know that they did. We know that a lot of the people they added, whether it's uh, Bellinger uh, or Dansby Swanson, did a nice job. Tyone uh, on balance so far has been a disappointment, although he's had some more recent in more recent uh, weeks, some, some better starts. Um, and uh, so the bullpen pieces didn't really pan out, uh, but they got better. The run prevention got better. And, and as a team, what's happened is some, you know, for the peripherals and, and the quality of team they are, they've underachieved. If that, if that switch, I mean, they don't have any time left. I mean, they're, they're, really these decisions should already, if this was a different trade market, marketplace cap, if this was like last year or the year before, they'd already be done. They'd have to have, they'd have to decide and they'd have to be sellers already at this point because the market would be moving that fast. This market is so slow. It gives them the opportunity and, and, they, and they're going to need every minute of that. You know, to fi- to they, figure. Let, let me they got to sweep. They got to sweep the white Sox. So if, if that's a split, what are you doing? There is also one last thing and I'll let you go. In 03, the Chicago Cubs were one game over 500 at the deadline, which is where they may find themselves next week. One game over 500 if they play <laughs> yeah, well. Right. Yeah. And Jim That's Henry went, I'm not selling. I'm all in. And he went out and got Kenny Lofton and Aramis Ramirez. And that team ended up in game seven of the NLCS. One of the top, what, five trades? At least in the last fifty years for the that team, yeah. I mean that that was a great trade, and it paid off for years. And I love it. But but Jim Hendry is part of the last generation of. There aren't many Jim Hendrys left anymore. Where you're trying, and and that was an era when big market teams just didn't just didn't tank. I mean, you tried to win, um, right. and and you know his his team was good enough that. There was a window there to try to win, and he did, and it paid off, and it was the right move. I wish more guys, more guys, more GMs were like that now. I wish more teams were like that now. I wish the game was more like that now, but it's not. And and here we find so here we find ourselves at this thirty team stalemate, going down to the last six days before the deadline. Gordon, have a great rest of your day, man. We'll tape right after the trade deadline next week. Sounds good, man. I look forward to that one. Absolutely. And we'll see you at beautiful Wrigley Field next week. <laughs> take take that. Back hey, home again. That's it. For Gordon, I'm Cap. This is another edition of the Cubs Recap Podcast here on our YouTube channel and available audio only wherever you get your podcasts. Have a great rest of your day and fly the W and take that.